You are listening to She Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. This is The Year of Critical Roles, a Belladonna U novella, Chapter 9, The Year of Sage, Part 2. September. It's supposed to be a standard meeting to discuss my academic future with my supervisor and a representative of the Basilisk Board. Scholarship opportunities, research networking, all that shit. I'm fizzing, because I've nailed down my original thesis spell, and it's good. It's everything Fordyce wants and more. I can't wait to lay it out for him. Only he's not here. No supervisor for me. Should have known something was up with the unexpected venue change. Three members of the Basilisk board are sitting around the epic troll-sized table in meeting room three waiting. Not a friendly face in sight. Professor Archibald Charmsnare the Seventh, Vice-Chancellor of the College of the Real. <sighs> Sorrel Merriweather, Norris Asteria. No sign of Victor Vale or the Nightshades, not that Viola and Jules's family members would necessarily be in my corner before or after the New Year's shit-tastrophe. I know for a fact that the Veils and Nightshades are no longer on Team Chauvelin. The Vice-Chancellor, the Merryweathers and Asterias might have been nowhere in sight during the court case Jules's mum brought against Third's parents. But that doesn't mean they approve of her going after two of their most powerful board members. The Chauvelins have not resigned from the board, despite the civil and criminal charges against them. Their names still appear all over campus, even if they haven't been seen in person for a while. I assumed it was an oversight, that Belladonna U was pretending the whole thing never happened, hoping no one would notice. But there's a stink in the air, and it's not looking good for me, one of the witnesses to the great Chauvelin disgrace. Where's Professor Fordyce? I ask before I even sit down. Professor Fordyce? no longer works for this university, says Professor Charmsnare, displaying none of the creepy Santa-like good humour he usually puts on for the students. He's all business. We're here to discuss your future, Mr. McLaren. Well, fuck. October. Holly Rules the World has opened this mirror chat. Holly Rules the World. It can't be that hard to find a kick-ass venue to put on a New Year's show. We're practically famous. Sage plays the drums. Hull, we were practically famous last year. What have we done lately? Holly rules the world. You're the loser who decided to stay in school. Sage plays the drums. Yup, and look how far that got me. Holly rules the world. I've seriously tried every possible venue within walking distance of campus, and nothing. Sage plays the drums. Tried going further afield? Holly rules the world. Broomsticks are for losers. Sage plays the drums. Is it true Juniper banned you from flying for the sake of your safety and that of the people around you? Holly rules the world. Banned is a strong word. Every time I round her, I want to agree with her. Where are you anyway? We need to strategize. Sage plays the drums. On a tram to the middle of nowhere. Holly rules the world. WTF? Why? 
Sage? So, yeah, I'm basically a detective now. I find Professor Fordyce at the Hellbroth, a pub in the outer suburbs, with some kind of giant cowshed tacked onto the side. There are gig posters papered everywhere, sun-faded and fluttering. It looks like a scene from a dystopian movie set in a future where live music has been banned and can only be performed in secret. Was he actually cool all this time? It's the middle of the day, and the heat of the summer is already coming in. As if stepping into the bar full of day drinkers isn't Mad Max enough for me. The bartender is a goth with spiky hair, a spiky collar, and a surprising red flannel shirt tied around her waist. She also has a tattoo of a bat on the side of her neck. I'm looking for Professor Fordyce, I say, remembering too late that Professor probably isn't his first name. The goth bartender rolls her eyes. He's out the back. Just don't interrupt the gamers or one of them will maim you with a dice throw. Huh, that does look like a table of D&D going on. In the far corner by the door and right above them, a poster advertising feminist poetry readings. I survey my surroundings more closely and notice that three of the day drinkers by the window are definitely all wearing anime shirts and waving paperbacks at each other. Is this a geek bar? The bartender gazes at me, unimpressed, then points to her cocktail menu. They are literally all named after fictional spaceships. Before I stop to think about it, I follow up with, Do you have any live music booked for New Year's? It's another ten minutes before I go hunting for Fordyce. He's counting crates of craft beer, which isn't what I expected from an angry recently fired professor. So that's it? You're letting them run you out of academia? Fordyce, in a tighter black t-shirt than he ever wore around Belladonna U. And a good thing too, he was already typecast as the hot professor. A t-shirt this tight would have caused actual swooning in the corridor. Rolls his eyes so hard that I instantly see the family resemblance. This is my sister's bar, Sage. I'm working here until I take up my next academic job in January. Stockholm, actually. Very prestigious university, far from here, where I get free reign over my curriculum. Still sucks. It does. But I'm hoping that Mara Institutet isn't run by a cabal of incestuous power-hungry warlocks with a grudge. I mean, it's still a uni. Don't get your expectations too high. We almost laugh at that, but yeah, it's not funny. Fordyce's face softens. Look. Sage, keep your head down. Get your thesis in. There's too much oversight for them to sabotage you directly. Get your qualification and get out. The world's a big place, and the chauvelins and charm snares of this world can only reach so far. Ha! <laughs> it gets better then, he winces. No. But sometimes some of them get arrested and sued for doing shitty things, and that almost feels worthwhile. Sage Plays the Drums has opened this mirror chat. Sage Plays the Drums. So, I found us a venue for New Year's. Holly rules the world. What? November. Prof Asteria has always been a 40-carat asshole. He swans around campus in his tweed outfits like he belongs here. 
but he hasn't taught students in decades. I'm not sure what he actually does except collect rare books in his office, which mysteriously gets slightly larger each year, and vote against any progressive motion at departmental meetings. Oh, and when a gang of firsties put a petition together years ago to protest the lack of comparable resources between the colleges of the real and unreal, yeah, shock. The department's full of magic users suck up all the money. He literally set their documentation on fire. Asteria has officially been our supervisor, me and Liza and Dinesh, since uh, Professor Fordyce was elbowed out eight weeks ago. In that time, his active supervision has consisted of him putting his head in our office one time, saying, I suppose you all know what you're doing, don't mind me, and then fucking off to lunch somewhere. It's thesis day. Exams are over. Classes are over. Only this remains, our final thesis spell to be presented. It's Demthorm Fen, after all, demonstrative thaumaturgical phenomena. Without our demonstration of an active piece of magic, we won't make the grade. Liza goes up first, serving a perfectly adequate piece of spellcraft, a precise bone detector for practical use in archaeology and modern crime forensics. It builds on some crafty theory from one of our old fellows right here at Belladonna U, so it's the perfect balance of modern and vintage to tick all the approval boxes. She's a canny witch, is Liza. She saw the writing on the wall the second we lost Fordyce, and swerved her more outlandish plans for experimental archaeology hexes into something entirely conservative and practical. Safe. Prof Asteria nods and makes some notes as she completes her demonstration using a fish tank full of dirt with strategically placed old bones inside. Approved, he mutters, slapping down the sign form that'll permit her spell to be shown to the board who serve as our final examiners. Dinesh goes next. His was always pretty bland, to be honest. Magical engineering bores the pants off me. And his his little widgets for improving telekinetic construction by an eighth of a centimetre is enough to make any half-decent witch yawn. Prophesteria barely glances up, but approves the spell for the board. Now it's me. Good old salt of the earth, born with the opposite of a silver spoon in his mouth, Sage McLaren. Rough as guts. The kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Who talks like he's never been invited to a dinner party. Who even are his parents anyway? Scholarship guy. Drummer. Gay. Surprise success story. Suspiciously high marks. Reputation for insolence and general disrespect. Me. Slowly, I unwrap my masterpiece. It doesn't look like much. A basic porcelain jar with a very tight lid. I bought it at that shop, Hebe Works now. The one full of candles and really fancy throw rugs. Not sure what this container was designed for originally. Bath bombs or potpourri cubes or really tiny hand towels. Today, it's full of possibility. I see we're going for mythic symbolism, drones Asteria, noting the flame sigil on the lid. I got Ferd to draw it for me. He's got really into pen and ink artwork lately. All the best magic has a historical footprint, I say with a wide grin. It's a quote 
from a paper Provosteria himself published in the 70s, back when he actually bothered to contribute to the academic world, before tenure sucked all the moisture out of his bones. He blinks, as if he can't quite remember the person who wrote that line, but he still senses the empty flattery hanging in the air between us. Quite. And what is inside this jar of yours? Not all the evils of the world, I hope. He chuckles. I don't. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Dinesh, who's always had a sixth sense for how to avoid trouble, quietly start to tidy up his papers, like he's prepping for a quick escape. Liza's eyes get wider and wider. She gets me. It's a complex curse based on Isadora Tulele's Basilisk Triangle, which is itself based on Morgan Le Fay's Medea Triangle, though it's stabilised through a Mass Effect location wave charm. That's the original part. You, I've never seen an old white guy go quite so white before. He looks like bleached paper on a sunny day at the beach. You can't be serious. Deadly. Using one of those after... Oh, yeah, the Basilisk Triangle was famously quite you used quite recently by Ferd Chauvelin's parents in an illegal, highly immoral attempt to restore his lost magic. Dire consequences ensued, though not as dire as they could have been. Jules and Vale were caught up in the spell without their consent, and they could have died. Hebe actually did nearly die. I do know how serious this is. All the media attention has finally started to die down after Irene Nightshade's civil court case in May. But if a spell with this profile was set off in this university as part of the Real Honours program, well, I imagine media attention would start up again, wouldn't it? People might start asking, whatever did happen to that criminal case that was supposed to be brought against the Chauvelins but has been postponed three times this year? What does it do? hisses Prophesteria. He's no longer looking at me like I'm slime under his shoe. He's finally recognised me for the enemy I am. This? It's a recurring time-lapse spell that'll swap the magical powers of every Belladonna U student and staff member randomly for 24 hours. Every? He blanches even paler. I can practically see through him. That is an immensely destructive piece of magic. I filled in the ethics forms. The thing about Dem Thorn Fan Ons, the really funny thing about it as a subject, is there are no actual limits on what spell you submit for your final thesis. In 1958, Jules's great grandfather actually straight up murdered three of his fellow students with a Hydra Stingjinx. They really should have fixed some of the College of the Reels antique bylaws by now. It's still technically legal to hunt people of null magical abilities if you're within 10 metres of the ornamental lake. I perfected my thesis spell three weeks ago and since then I've spent all my time in the stacks just deep researching all the bullshit that the Department of the Real and the Basilisk Board have got away with over the years, particularly when it comes to fucking over the Department of the Unreal and any student without high magical ability. I've got enough on them to write a book, or a tell-all article for some fancy literary journal, or a song. It's probably going to be a limerick, let's be honest. 
I can't approve this spell to be tested under examination conditions, says Professor Asteria. I know, I say calmly. This subject is demonstrative thaumaturgical phenomena, unless you can submit another original spell as your thesis. Nope, I'm good. You will not pass. I lean in just a little. Did you know that if I quit during the year, I have to pay back all my scholarship funding? But failing out, that's just bad luck. Please leave this room now, says the professor. Spell not approved. So I take my jar and I walk out of Belladonna University. December. Sage, Jules calls from somewhere. What the hell are you doing? Good question. What am I doing? Why am I standing in the middle of the freaking ornamental lake on a campus where I'm no longer a student? What the fuck am I doing? My magic wells up inside me, wild and spiralling, filled with all the frustrations of this past year. It'd be so easy to unleash it on the world. I'm just some bloke, standing in front of a jar, full of the most dangerous spell anyone's ever devised in the history of Belladonna U. And I know exactly what I'm doing. Some serious fucking damage. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week for the year of third. <laughs>